Amen. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us into the presence of God through praise and worship tonight. I stand in total agreement with that song. There's nothing that compares to knowing Jesus. Nothing the world has to offer satisfies like a personal relationship with the Lord. Man, the Lord has made that real to me, and I hope he's made that real to you. But if not, uh, then today can be the day. What a blessing uh, that song was to my heart. Now, first of all, let me thank all of you for tuning in to our services tonight. Uh, we had not planned a service for uh, Good Friday. That was not my plan, but the Lord had other plans. This morning, he put a message on my heart. I just felt led tonight uh, to share that message with you all. And I want to thank you for taking the time to, to check out what, uh, uh, what the Lord is doing. And I know that he's ready to speak to us again if we are ready to listen. So I'm asking that if you haven't been praying for these services that you begin now, that the Lord would have his way and will in our lives and speak to us exactly what we all stand in need of. Now, what God has given me today has certainly blessed and encouraged me, and I hope and pray that it will be a blessing and an encouragement to you as we travel through the Word of God on this Good Friday evening. Good Friday is the time when we remember the cross. It's the time um, when we look to the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. So what I want to do this evening is travel through God's Word all the way back to Exodus chapter number 12. And we're going to be looking at about 13 verses there. Verses 1 through verse number 13. And I want to entitle my message tonight, The Person of the Lamb and the Power in the Blood. The Person of the Lamb and the Power in the Blood. Let's read this together. I'm going to pray for you. Then we'll get into what God has for each and every one of us. The Bible says in verse number 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses... And Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye into, unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house Take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it unto the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, and they shall take the blood and strike it on the two sides of the doorpost and on the upper doorpost of the house, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall ye eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden it all with water, but roast it with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it in the morning you shall burn with fire. Verse 12, or 11 says, and you shall eat it with your loins girded, and your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It's very important we see that. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, uh, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. There's no one like God. There's no God beside him. There's no God below him. He is the one true God. He says, I am the Lord. And he's about to prove he is the Lord. 
Verse 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we're thankful today for Good Friday. Good Friday is good because you are good. Lord, we should ask you tonight that you show us the person of the Lamb and the power that's in the blood. Oh God, have your way and have your will in these services. Lord, I'm praying that you speak to hearts and change lives and you do for men, women, boys and girls what you have done for me. Lord, we love you. We thank you and we praise you for doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we need to understand when we find the nation of Israel here in Exodus chapter number 12, they are now in Egypt and they've been there for some 430 years. They're in bondage in Egypt. They're slaves there, but the Bible also says they're very burdened there. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter number three that they were caused to try and make uh, bricks without straw, which would be in very, uh, very burdensome labor. And so Egypt, we see here, is the place of bondage, and Egypt is the place of burden. Now, I want you to understand something. We know that when God's people were in Egypt, they began to cry out unto the Lord. They began to ask God, according to Exodus chapter number 3, to deliver them from the hand of their taskmaster. And what I'm so very thankful for is that God heard His people when they chose to pray. When God's people chose to pray... God the Father chose to listen. I don't know about you, but that blesses my soul tonight. I'm so very thankful that the God of heaven still chooses to listen when we choose to pray. So I want to encourage you, all of you, to choose to pray because God promises to listen when we make the choice to take advantage of the privilege of prayer. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 14 says, We have this confidence we know it to be true. We have this confidence that if we ask anything in accordance to the will of God, He hears us. I had a dear brother in Christ call me today or text me today rather and he said that he's come to find out that if he would spend as much time praying himself into things as he spent praying himself out of things that he'd be a whole lot better off. And that's true. I'm telling you, we need to take advantage today more than ever of the privilege of prayer because God still chooses to listen to his people. Now, God, by his sovereign will, having heard the prayer of his people, chooses to send a man by the name of Moses to deliver the nation of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt. Now, Moses, by God's power, is about to take Israel, God's people, from the land of burden, from the land of bondage in Egypt. And he's going to bring them out so that he might bring them into the land of blessing, which is Canaan land. The Bible describes it as the land flowing with milk and with honey. And God is about to use Moses by his power to do a great work. Now that blesses my soul as well. I want you to think about it for just a moment. Moses, when God calls him in Exodus chapter 3, was, on, was a murderer on the run on the backside of the Midian desert. 
He was a murderer that was running from the authorities. And God in that time chose Moses to do uh, what was necessary for his people. That blesses my soul. Let me tell you why. Folks, I want you to understand. There's some people tonight that may be watching us. There's some people that may be sitting right here among us. I don't know. But I know this. Some people believe that they can't get saved simply because of their past. Where they were or where they are now. Now, let me tell you something. God loves you right where you are and God can change your life in spite of your past. If he can do it for Moses, he can do it for us. Now, let me say something else. Some of you are saved that are watching me tonight and you believe that God can't do for you in the present and through the future. God can't use you like he wants to use you because of your past. Listen, if God can use a murderer on the backside of the Midian desert to deliver his people from bondage and bring them to the promised land, then he can use me and he can use you. I am so thankful that God, by his grace and God, by his mercy, still chooses to listen to and to use people just like us, just like me. And just like you, if he can do it for Moses, if he can do it for those people, he can do it for us tonight. Now, God tells Moses something. He says, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt. And when you get there, you need to tell Pharaoh, I said, let my people go. And that's exactly what Moses does by the instruction of the Lord at the burning bush. He leaves there, heads toward uh, Egypt. And when he gets there, he tells Pharaoh just what God told him to tell him. Moses became the mouthpiece of God. God was speaking to and God was speaking through his man Moses. And so when he got there, Pharaoh didn't want to listen to what he had to say. Matter of fact, he completely rejected uh, what Moses was telling him over and over and over and over again. God said, let the people go. Pharaoh wouldn't do it. This unrepentant Pharaoh, listen, caused many plagues to come upon Egypt. I'm talking about a lot of them. There was about nine before we come to uh, Exodus chapter number 12, this being the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn, the Passover message. But there were nine before that, nine plagues that God had told them over and over and over and over again, let my people go. And Pharaoh in his unrepentant heart chose not to. Now, why is that important for us? Why does that hit us right where we live tonight? Let me tell you what I believe. I believe there is a plague that is on our world right now. We know that the coronavirus pandemic is affecting every country upon the globe. Every one of them. It's all over the place. No one can escape it. Now, let me say something to you. We do not need to make the same mistake that Pharaoh made. Pharaoh chose to be unrepentant before the voice of the Lord, before the word of God, and it cost him greatly. I don't want it to cost us greatly. What I want to see happen in the midst of this plague, in the midst of this pandemic, pandemic is for us to repent and turn toward the Lord. Don't be unrepentant and harden our heart like Pharaoh, but let's seek God for who he is and trust in him to do what only he can do. That's what we must do. So what we got to do, let us not make the same mistake that Pharaoh makes. Let us repent and turn to the Lord. Now I want to tell you something. Repentance, real repentance, true repentance can lead to a revival that can sweep the globe. And I don't know about you, but that's what I'm praying for. 
That's what we all need. I'm praying for a Holy Ghost revival that changes hearts and changes lives across the street and around the world for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm praying we repent and turn back to the Lord. But let me tell you something. Repentance that brings revival don't start collectively. It starts individually. It starts in my heart. And it starts in your heart. Let me tell you what I'm praying for. What God has burdened my heart with. I'm praying that pastors in the pulpit repent and turn to the Lord. Because I can promise you they can't be revival in the pew if there's not revival in the pulpit. So I put my name at the top of the list. And I'm praying that God reveals to me any wicked way within myself. That I may, uh, listen, repent of it. And I not be a hindrance to His work but a help to His work by His power. So I'm praying for a revival in the pulpit, for a revival in the pew. Let me tell you what else I'm praying for on an individual basis. I'm praying for a revival in husbands and wives. I understand and realize there can be no revival in a marriage until there's revival in a man and woman. I'm praying for revival in a home. I'm praying for revival in the hearts and lives of mamas and daddies, mothers and fathers. Because I realize until God does a work in the individual member, there cannot be collective revival even in the home. We need revival. And when it happens in the pew and it happens in the pulpit and it happens in the home and it happens with us individually, then it can happen in this community, then it can happen in this nation, then it can happen in this world and God can do a work that he wants to do. I believe right now God is shouting to us his word of repentance. C.S. Lewis, I love him. He says that uh, pain and suffering is God's megaphone to rouse a sleeping world. And I believe right now God is using that megaphone to share with us the need for repentance that brings a Holy Ghost, life-changing, Jesus-glorifying revival. Let us not make the same mistake that Pharaoh made. It cost him greatly. And I can promise you it will cost us greatly if we don't heed the warning and listen to the voice of God. Now I'm praying. God does tonight through this message. What's needed in your life and in my life. For us to experience. This life change. This repentance needed. For us to turn to the Lord. And experience some revival on an individual and collective basis. If that's going to happen, we've got to get a good look at the Lamb, the person of the Lamb, and the power in the blood. Because that makes all the difference. That changes everything. So let's take a good look at the Lamb. Right here in Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 13, the focus, I believe, is on the Lamb. Now, why do I say that? Listen, it's on the lamb because I read five times in 13 short verses that the word lamb is mentioned. It's, and listen, the focus is on the lamb, rightly so, because if the lamb is not slain and the blood is not spilled, the people can't be saved. So the lamb is of utmost importance in these 13 verses from the past. And we're going to see in just a moment how the lamb is of utmost importance to us today. Now, there's five things that I want you to see about this lamb right here in Exodus chapter number 12. The, the Bible says that God told him, I'm about to do something new for you. I'm about to give you a new beginning. 
I don't know who out there needs a new beginning, but I can tell you this, you can have it by the blood of the Lamb. I don't know who out there who needs a fresh start, but you can have it because of the person of the Lamb. And we need to see that right here tonight. The Bible says, Exodus chapter 12, verse 3, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month you shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for, for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Now verse 5, this is the first point that I want to make concerning the lamb that's mentioned in Exodus chapter 12. First of all, it had to be a special lamb. Listen to what it says. Your lamb shall be without blemish a male of the first year. This was a specific thing that God said. It had to be a male of the first year. It couldn't be any old lamb. It had to be a special lamb. But now listen, the special lamb also had to be a spotless lamb. The Bible says it could be without spot or without blemish. Now what does that mean? It couldn't be just a, a diseased lamb or a sickly lamb. It couldn't be a crooked lamb or a crippled lamb. It couldn't be a lamb that had a split ear or a bad eye or a bad hoof. Listen, this lamb had to be the best lamb that they could possibly find if it was going to be a pleasing sacrifice unto the Lord. It had to be a special lamb and it had to be a spotless lamb. Let me give you something else. Not only do you need to see it was a special lamb and a spotless lamb, but look down with me, if you will, to verse number six. And you shall keep it under the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. It had to be a special lamb. It had to be a spotless lamb, but then you need to see it had to be a slain lamb. This lamb had to be killed. Now you said, Brother Israel, why would the lamb have to be killed? That sounds really gruesome. And yes, it really was for an innocent lamb's throat to be slit, for the blood to be caught, and for then for that blood to be applied. It was a very gruesome thing for an innocent lamb to have to go through that. But if the lamb was not killed, the blood could not be spilled. And if the blood is not spilled, the blood could not be applied. And if the blood is not applied, listen to me very plainly, the people cannot be saved. So the lamb had to be a special lamb, a spotless lamb, a slain lamb. And because it is a slain lamb, because it is a special lamb, because it is a spotless lamb, then it's a saving lamb. Look at this. Watch what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse number seven, and they take the and they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and upon the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Now watch what he tells them in verse eight. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and leavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. And verse 13 says, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses wherein you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This became a saving lamb because it was a special spotless and slain lamb. The blood was spilled and the blood was applied. All of this is true of Moses' lamb. But then you need to see in verse number eight. And they shall eat it with roast and roast it with fire and the, and the unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it, eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire with his legs with the pertinence thereof. See, it was, a, it was also a shared lamb by everyone in the house. 
it was a special lamb. It was a spotless lamb. It was a slain lamb. It was a saved, saving lamb, and it was a shared lamb. All of this is true for Moses' lamb. Now you say, Brother Israel, what does all of that mean for us? Maybe that was true for them thousands of years ago, all the way back in the Old Testament. But what does that mean for me? Why are we talking about it tonight on Good Friday? What does that mean for us today who are under the New Testament? Well, listen to me. If we're going to get a hold of this Old Testament truth, we've got to see some New Testament scripture. Let's look together tonight in John chapter number 1. And I want to share with you one verse here and then we're going to go to a few other places but John chapter number one the Bible tells us plainly something we all need to see here the Bible is quoting a man by the name of John the Baptist now we know John the Baptist to not only be the first cousin of Jesus but John the Baptist was also um, the uh, the forerunner for Jesus and John the Baptist now is preaching the message of the kingdom when Jesus comes on the scene. John chapter 1, verse number 29. The Bible says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming, and he said unto him, or those that were with him, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So by John's preaching and by John's uh, observation, when he sees Jesus coming, he says to all of them around him, Behold, look. There is the Lamb of God. Now what's the claim that John is making? John is making the claim that the Old Testament truth that was revealed with Moses was fulfilled in Jesus. John is making the claim that the Old Testament Lamb that Moses provided is shown in the person of Jesus himself. John is telling us that the Old Testament Lamb was just foreshadowing. For the true Lamb of God that would one day take away the sin of the world. That's what John is saying. And that's what the Bible teaches. You say, brothers, what do you mean the Bible teaches that? It, it, listen, Jesus meets all the qualifications of the Lamb that we've already spoken about in Exodus chapter number 12. Every one of them. You see, not only was Moses' Lamb... A special lamb. I want you to know Jesus, the true lamb of God, was also very special. How many of you understand that Jesus just wasn't a, a nobody and he wasn't an anybody. He was a somebody who died for everybody. And he was somebody that God chose and God sent and God told us all about since the beginning of time. It started all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And over and over and over again, God prophesied about the coming Messiah. God prophesied about the one who would come and take away the sin of the world. This lamb that was pictured with Moses was fulfilled with Jesus. Jesus was the special lamb because he was the prophesied lamb. Amen. Now, what I mean when I say he was the prophesied lamb... Do you realize that throughout the scriptures, from Genesis all the way through Malachi in the Old Testament, we have over 300 prophecies concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he came, he fulfilled all of them. Not some of them, not most of them, but all of them. The Bible is the only book who tells the ending from the beginning. And he does the same thing with the Lord. He tells us from the beginning what's going to happen in the ending when Jesus comes and does for us what we can't do for ourselves. 
And so the Bible tells us plainly a lot of things that we are to look for if we're going to find the right lamb. If we're going to find the right Messiah. Let me give you just a few of them. I ain't got time to share all 300 with you tonight, but I want to give you just three or four. First of all, the Bible prophesied where he would be born, where the Messiah would be born at. And the Bible told us that in Bethlehem, that it was in Bethlehem in Micah chapter 5 in verse number 2. That was fulfilled with the birth of Jesus. Not only does the Bible tell us where he would be born, but it tells us to whom he would be born. He would be born to a virgin. That is prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7 verse number 14. That was fulfilled with the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. Then the Bible not only tells us to whom he would be born, but he tells us to what people he would be born to, the Jewish people. That's prophesied in Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 3. Not only does it tell us what people he would be born to, but it tells us what division of that people he would be born to, the, the, the tribe of Judah. And so that, that is in Genesis 49 and verse number 10. The Bible also tells us then to what family of the tribe of Judah he would be born, to the family of David. That was prophesied in Jeremiah 32 verses 4 and 5. All of this was fulfilled in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means that Jesus is not just an anybody or a nobody. He is a somebody that God sent to do for us what we couldn't do. To die for the sins of all mankind. He is the special lamb because he is the prophesied lamb. Now let me say something else. He's also the spotless lamb. And he's the spotless lamb because he's the perfect lamb. You say, brothers, well, what do you mean he's the perfect lamb? I mean, he was perfect in his birth, for he was virgin born. He was not born into sin, nor did he choose to sin while he lived upon this earth. He was not born of the seed of man. He was born of God himself. Amen. Born to a virgin. He was perfect in birth and the Bible says that he was perfect in his life. Let me read to you something from 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Watch this right here. I love this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 21. The Bible says, For he, meaning God the Father, hath made him, meaning God the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin on the cross for you and me. He became the sin bearer. My sin and your sin and the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future, was placed upon the Lord Jesus. It wasn't for his sin he died. He was perfect. He was spotless. It was for my sin. You see, he is the special lamb. He is the spotless lamb. But let me say something else. He's also the slain lamb. And he was slain through scourging and through crucifixion, the Bible tells us. The scourging happened there on the pavement, the Bible says in the gospel message. At the direction of Pontius Pilate, when he ordered a Roman lector who was an absolute expert in the art of torture, he ordered this Roman lector to take the cat of nine tails and scourge Jesus. 
The Bible describes what happened in Isaiah chapter number 53. Let me read that to you. This is another prophecy about what would happen when Jesus come, which he fulfilled greatly. It's Isaiah 53 and verse number three. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, my grief, your grief. He's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgression. See, the Bible says that he was beaten, ridiculed, mocked, spit upon for me and for you. That's what we're doing when we're remembering the cross when we're remembering the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world so that our sins might be forgiven. We're remembering the fact that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin and yours. Don't take it for granted what today means. The Bible says he was wounded for my transgressions, your transgressions, our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. It's amazing to me. As the Roman lecturer took the cat of nine tails. And that cat of nine tails was just a, a leather handle that had nine strips of leather that, leather that came off of it. And sewn in those strips of leather would have been bone and pieces of glass. And as that lecture would have took that whip and slung it across the back of Jesus and poured it back, whatever flesh that bone and glass stuck in came back with the whip. The Bible says he would have been marred so much you would have not even been able to recognize who he was. He was marred more than any, any man. The book of Isaiah also tells us. He was slain. He was killed through the scourging. It was through the scourging his blood was spilled. But it was also through the crucifixion that his blood was spilled. He was put on a Roman cross, nailed through his wrist and through his feet, and he was hung before God and man. The Bible gives account of that in the gospel message. I want to read to you Luke's account in Luke chapter number 23. Watch this. It's very powerful. Luke 23 and verse number 32. I want to read a few verses there, then we'll skip down just a moment. And there were also two other male factors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I still, after years of reading this passage many times, I still cannot get over it. It blesses my heart and it blows my mind. This shows you that He is the sinless, spotless Son of God and God the Son. If He can look down at the men who just drove spikes through His wrist and through His feet, if He can look down at the men who spit upon Him, if He can look down at the men who put the crown of thorns around His head, if He can look down at the men who whipped His back and say, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. He's not just a mere man. He's much more. He's the Lamb of God. He's the special Lamb, the spotless Lamb. He's the slain Lamb. Father, forgive them. Now, I don't know about you, but 
it's a whole lot easier for me to take punishment if I've done the wrong. I've always heard the old saying, if you do the crime, you got to do the time. I understand that. But what's really hard for me to take is when I hadn't done anything wrong and I get punished. I grew up in a family of, with two brothers, three boys in our house. When I was growing up, I can remember a lot of times we'd be fighting and scuffling and wrestling around in the living room. And I can remember several times my father calling out from the other room and saying, boys, y'all need to settle down. You need to be quiet now. That's enough. And he'd tell us over and over and over again. And being boys, we just keep doing what we was doing. Rough has rousing and, 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 uh, and fighting and scrapping and scuffling. And before long, it, 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 there, there came a time when punishment would come from the other room and the person of my father and when he got there, usually all three of us were punished. Sometimes I had done what was necessary to receive the punishment. I deserved it and sometimes I didn't, but usually all three of us would get it. Now, that's, I want to tell you, I, got a whole, I needed a whole lot more than I got. I, I missed a whole lot more than I should have gotten, but there were times when I got what I didn't need. And that was hard to take. Now, I want you to think about Jesus. Here you have Jesus who was born perfect. And here you have Jesus who lived perfect. And now he's went and took the punishment for everybody's wrong. For the deepest, darkest secrets and sins that we all have. For those things that we consider to be the, the worst things imaginable. Jesus died for that. Because he loved us. He's the slain lamb. Like I said before, that's very, very important. See, if he's not killed, the blood can't be spilled. And if the blood is not spilled, it can't be applied. And if it's not applied, the people can't be saved. God knew this. He's the one that set this up. Again, Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53 and 10, which is the most surprising verse in all of Isaiah 53. The Bible says, yet it pleased the Lord. It pleased God the Father to bruise him, God the Son. Again, this blows my mind and. In a lot of ways breaks my heart because I'm a father too. And the human beings I love more than anyone else on the face of this earth. Is my wife and my three kids. And the Bible says it pleased God the father to, to bruise his son. To put his son on a cross. Now, I love my kids very much, but I don't love them perfectly. I can't love them perfectly. I'm not perfect. God, the Father who is perfect, loved Jesus perfectly, being his one and only son. But yet the Bible still says in Isaiah 53 and 10, it pleased the Lord. 
God the Father, to bruise his son. Why? Because that's the only way mankind could be saved. That's the only way our sins could be forgiven. That's the only way God could make us right with himself. That type of love that God has for us, I cannot fathom. It amazes me. Knowing how much I love my children. I want to tell you something. I love all of you in the Lord. But there's not a person out there I could give my kids for. Couldn't do it. But that's what God did for me. And that's what God did for you. He put his son across to take your punishment for your sin. Jesus is the slain lamb. He was killed so his blood could be spilled so that it might be applied so that we could be saved. That brings me to my next point. He is the saving lamb. He's the saving lamb. What a blessing that is. Praise God. Praise the mighty name of Jesus that he is the saving lamb. God could have left us in our sin. We deserved the punishment that was coming our way in a devil's hell. We deserved to be condemned. We deserved spiritual death. We deserve physical death. We deserve it because we have sinned in attitude. We came here sinners and we've sinned in willful action. All of us have. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. But praise be unto the mighty name of Jesus that he's shown us grace and he is the saving lamb. Let me tell you what I mean. He saves by the blood. See, that's what happened in the, in the Old Testament scripture, that foreshadowing there at that first Passover, wouldn't it? They applied the blood to the left side, to the top, and to the right side of the doorpost. And the Bible says when the death angel looked upon that door, it would pass over that house. The blood had to be applied. Well, let me ask you something. How was that blood applied? I'll tell you how. By faith. See, these people had to trust the word of the Lord that had came through Moses when Moses said, you've got to take the lamb, you've got to kill the lamb, and then you've got to apply the blood. They had to trust in that what God was sharing with them was the truth. And so they did exactly what Moses told them to do. And guess what happened? It worked. They were saved. Why? Because the blood was applied by faith. Now I want to tell you something. Jesus is the saving lamb and he still saves by grace through faith. Look how Peter puts it. First Peter chapter one. This is one of my favorite verses in all the word of God. First Peter. Chapter number one. And let's look down together tonight at, uh, at verse number. 18. So powerful. 1 Peter 1.18 says, For inasmuch as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold 
from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. So he gives us a whole list of stuff that we're not redeemed by. We're not redeemed by silver and gold. See, I, I, it ain't about what you got. And it's not about tradition either. Religious, dead, dull, lifeless tradition will never save anybody. I grow so weary with these folks who preach a work salvation because it takes away from the work of Christ and it sends people to a devil's hell. You can't be good enough. You'll never be good enough. You couldn't be good enough. That's why you needed the Lamb to come and take away your sin. Watch how we are saved. Verse number 19. I love it. Praise God. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish or without spot. Jesus is the saving lamb. He's the fulfillment of our Passover. You say, brother, what in the world do we need a Passover for? We're not in bondage. I can promise you this. If you've not yet trusted in Christ, you're in bondage. You're in bondage to sin, and sin brings a whole list of problems. Sin brings worry, fear, guilt, shame, troubles and trials that you can't get out of. The Bible tells us that. I, I, I preached this Wednesday night, and, and I... I this is one of those verses that just remains in my heart and mind. John chapter 8, verse number 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, and the truth shall make you free. Listen, and the truth shall make you free. Verse 33. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Listen to me. If you've not yet trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, that sin that separates you from a holy God, the Bible says you are still in bondage. You're in Egypt. But God has sent a lamb. And by the power of his blood, you can be brought out of bondage, out of burden and into blessing. Watch. He says right here in verse 35, And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. How are all of us set free from the bondage of sin, this cruel taskmaster that we've all had to deal with? I'll tell you how. You're set free by the blood of the Lamb. The blood that is applied by faith. See, the moment you choose to trust in the fact that Jesus died for your sin. See, a lot of people know that Jesus died. They don't know why he died. He died for you to take the punishment for your sin. And he died for me to take the punishment for my sin. See, if God's truly holy and God's truly just, sin has to be punished. But the only one who can and could punish sin is the perfect, spotless Lamb of God that special lamb, spotless lamb, that slain lamb, that saving lamb, 
He's the only one that can save us from our sin. And it happens by the blood. When we choose to place our faith in the fact that Jesus died for our sin, it was for me he died. The Bible says our sins are washed whiter than snow. The Bible said our sin is forgiven when we choose to trust in Jesus. And it's that sin that separates us from God. Listen, you can be made right with God through faith in Christ. That's the message. He is the saving lamb. Now listen to me, Christian. According to Exodus chapter 12, he's also the shared lamb. If there's ever been a time that people are looking for answers, it's right now. If, there, if there's ever been a time that people are coming to grips with their own mortality, it's right now. If there's ever been a time that the world needs the answer, it's right now. Child of God, we have the answer. His name is Jesus. We must share the Lamb. He's the remedy for sin. One of the great privileges of being a pastor is to be able to be with people in all walks of life. Whether in life or even in death. It's a great blessing to know that children of God, when they leave this walk of life and they take their last breath on earth, it's followed by their first breath in heaven. That's truly a great blessing. But it's also a great burden in many cases. I've sat by the bedside of people's whose bodies have been riddled with cancer. And pray with them and cry with them. And try my best and encourage them. And I've thought many times, how much, how much would I have to hate someone to have the cure for cancer and not give it to them? I mean, you would have to hate somebody to a degree that I can't even describe if you had the cure for cancer and you didn't provide for them the cure. Let, let's, let's put it right where we live. See, we're all talking about the pandemic that's going on physically in this world. How, how much would we have to hate people if we had the cure for the COVID-19 virus and we didn't give it to them? I've seen the newscast of people on ventilators and people struggling to breathe. How bad would you have to hate that person if you had that vaccine and didn't give it to them? Well, tonight, listen, there is a pandemic that is truly worldwide. And it's 100% where everybody that's ever been born into the human race through the seed of man that pandemic that I'm talking about is not a physical one, but a spiritual one. The Bible says that we are all 
born into sin. We came here standing in need of a Savior. And no matter how bad cancer or COVID-19 is, listen, the sin pandemic is much worse. Not only will it cause you death physically, but the sin causes you death spiritually. It causes you to be eternally separated from God in a devil's hell. So how much, how much would we have to hate someone to have the answer and not give it to them? If we truly believe he's the special lamb of God, the spotless lamb of God, the slain Lamb of God, the saving Lamb of God, then He must be the shared Lamb of God. He's the answer. Let's share Him with those we come in contact with because believe me, they're looking for the answer like never before. Let me pray for you. Father, I love you. I want to thank you for loving us. Thank you tonight for the person of the Lamb and the power in the blood. I want to thank you for your grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness that's come freely through the cross. And Lord, I'm asking you right now for everyone that's listening to me. That if there one be out there, Lord, that's, that's never yet trusted in you, that right now, Holy Spirit, you would convict their heart. And bring them unto yourself. Do for them what only you can do. What you once did for me. Lord I'm praying for those who are believers. And have been saved. By faith. In the finished work of you Lord Jesus. I pray for them that we would remember how important it is in this day and time. To share you because you are the hope people are looking for even before they know they need it. And Lord, I'm asking you to open doors. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to fill us up, use us, pour us out in the lives of people that we come in contact with. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling during this time physically. And we pray for those who are struggling during this time spiritually. And we're asking, Lord Jesus, for you to do the work necessary. To bring them to yourself. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.